Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Hello, my name is Julian Glover. I'm an English actor, as you can hear, and I'm appearing on The Nerdy Show. Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And, uh, oh man, there's such an awakening going on. You may have, have noticed... Have you felt it? I, 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 have, <laughs> I have felt it. I have so felt it, because you may have noticed this State of the Empire episode's coming hot on the heels of the previous State of the Empire episode. Mm-hmm. This may be a reoccurring thing that happens until the film comes out in December. We don't know, but uh, but stay, I hope so. <laughs> stay tuned for uh, for all the State of the Empire that you can handle. The reason we're here today is because the latest deluge of Star Wars information has come in the form of the Disney Convention D twenty three. And Matt, you were there as a VIP, I might add. Uh, well, you know, not a big deal. I'm currently brushing my shoulder, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, D D23 was was wonderful and a great experience, not just as a Star Wars fan, of course, but also as a as a Disney fan. And it, uh, is yeah. it true that you were uh, uh, able to breathe the same air as George Lucas? Yeah, he actually only a couple of yards in front of me, the maker himself. Like that was <laughs> that was really good. That was actually my favorite part of D23 was hearing George Lucas reveal the big secret that no one has ever realized or known besides himself. And he stared right into Bob Iger's eyes while he said it. He said that Jar Jar Binks was based on Goofy. And he even said it himself, now that you know this, it's pretty obvious. And, you know, and then he said, uh, you know, I, I love Goofy and I love Jar Jar Binks. And it's like, man, that, like the man has always said for years that he was, you know, a big fan of the Disney company. And that's the most obvious, like, you know, I, I, I'm surprised I didn't put that together or nobody else did. No, no, I did put it together because that was a deleted scene from my uh, Hard Truth with Doug segment about Jar Jar Binks being uh, better than Chewbacca. I literally had I, I had it written. I had a slide for it. If you, I could go, I could show you the original slides for the. It was it was part of my my the linchpin ending of the entire rant that I go on. And, and we I, recorded I, I think, it twice. I think your midichlorian count, Doug, is as high as George's. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it would have to be because I I swear it was in there. And I, I, like it, it it wasn't even me saying, oh, George must have taken inspiration. But I was literally at the very end going to throw up a picture of Goofy. And put it next to Jar Jar Banks, and I will say, if you hate this one, 
then you hate this one. And then I, <laughs> I dissolve it into a picture that Disney released for Star Wars Weekends where it's Goofy dressed as Jar Jar Binks. Like an official yeah, it, photo. It, that, that's you know. the strangest part. It's like that's that's a figure that they've sold for Star Wars weekends. Yeah, and I'm like, to me, it just that sealed the deal. So I was just like, you know, th- there you go. But now that George, that George himself confirmed it, I'm like, well, yet again, uh, I, you know, yet again, I'm calling it, I, and it's saying, happening. Uh, first of all, if you haven't checked out Doug's video series Hard Truths with Doug, uh, we'll link to it on this episode's page. And the the debut um, argument was that. Uh, Jar Jar Binks is better than Chewbacca, which Doug doesn't believe, but made a very convincing argument. Yeah. It's, um, it's like my Stephen Colbert, uh, uh, not really me, but still my real name uh, character. Yeah. I don't actually believe it, but it, it makes for it makes for fun. How, however, Doug, we recorded that segment twice. We have two different versions yeah. of it, and neither time did you insert this. So, I mean, yeah. it's as good as it didn't happen. Yeah, you, it's you, my fault for not just going through with it. That, that sounds like it's calling for a... Uh... Uh, special edition. A third special version. Edition. Yeah, special edition. <laughs> yeah, we'll do a special edition. We're going to have to insert it at the end. Uh, just repurpose the other two. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll CGI both of those two extremely different looking videos together. Yeah. And you can awkwardly jump cut as you like step over the other version of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Matt, uh, I actually haven't got a chance. I know a lot of things that came out of D23 like all the news that's been pouring out of there, chances are you've seen some of it online. Uh, everybody who's listening to this, but uh, I haven't talked to you about actually like being there, what it was like, how it went down. Uh, give us the narration, and uh, let's and then let's talk about all the crazy stuff that we learned. Well, I mean, certainly, just atmosphere-wise in the main hall. I mean, you know, Disney has a lot of things going on. Pretty much everything in the world that's entertainment-based. You know, as as part of D twenty three, and yet. Every time they mentioned Star Wars, I mean, you know, you thought there was like a, a loud round of applause when they introduced uh, Civil War and then they, they brought out, you know, Chris Evans and Anthony Mackie and they showed us a clip and everything else. And then they got to Star Wars and Iger said the, the phrase Star Wars and people went freaking nuts. I mean, I, I mean, it's obvious it's going to be the biggest thing ever, but I don't think people understand that it's going to be like the actual biggest thing ever. But um, the Rogue One cast photo shockingly yeah by the way because I I, I I don't know doug you might be able to to speak on this but there's sort of like a weird what are people actually like more excited for kind of debate at least among more hardcore yeah. star wars fans like the idea yeah. of a movie that takes place during like the classic era like rogue one mm. which is more enticing to me to be honest or the continuing saga and shockingly i think everybody was way more hyped about force awakens information then the Rogue One cast photo kind of came and went. You know, people were kind of, you know, straining their heads to see because there wasn't a lot of official casting announcements, I believe, except for, uh, for Felicity. Hmm. Well, maybe it's just because a lot of people aren't really that... Because, you know, you got to remember, we got to see the teaser at Celebration. We were there in the room. I mean, when we were there at Celebration... I mean, that fucking room exploded. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it, it was, it was insane. Mm-hmm. And we got all the information. We got the build up to the teaser. We got to see concept artwork. We got, I mean, uh, uh, Gareth Edwards was on stage and it was just, it was, it was, everything about it was just right. But for, you know, D23, half the people in that room may not have even known that Rogue One was existing. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you were there, so you, you can gauge the room obviously better than I can, you know, but I just, I just think like the average person on the street is not even aware that Rogue One is even happening. And for those who are aware that it's happening, I, I just I don't know they 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 haven't seen the same amount of stuff that we have so I can I can understand why 
more people on average are excited for episode you know seven because it's so i mean it's 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 everywhere and it's going to be even bigger well, this rogue one announcement it was it was actually it was it was great uh for starters um we were right about a thing yeah <laughs> so that was awesome mm-hmm. um it, it's a beautiful cast photo, like really just like gritty, different looking, like you've never oh, yeah. seen a Star Wars film like this before. We'll link to, of course, all the things we're talking about on this episode's page. But this beautiful cast photo, the desperation in their in their faces, it's just like, I mean, it's completely sold me. It looks like we're doing a female lead film mm-hmm. with Felicity Jones at the lead. And it's an incredible ensemble cast of characters. And the thing we were right about, which really thanks to Consequence of Sound's tip to this was Donnie Yen being in the film rather than being in uh, episode eight starring alongside Harrison Ford. Yeah, as, that all sounded that really Chinese weird. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, but that's what we figured. We figured that it, it must have just been mistaken because Rogue One is filming now and that just made the most sense. Yeah. It's got Diego Luna, Ben Mendelsohn, Jang Wen, Forrest Whitaker, Mads Mikkelsen, Alan Tujik's playing a mocap character of some kind, and uh, also uh, Riz Ahmed. And I mean, it's a really crazy cast of people of both notable up-and-comers and uh, legends in their own field, yeah. and so I'm, on. I'm especially excited to see Forrest Whitaker in a Star Wars movie. Right? It's How just fucking like, weird is that? But that sounds awesome. The same way it's like Max von Sydow's in a Star Wars movie. Like this is it's. But the way they like Max von Sydow, it fits. You know, that sort of like respected older actor that whether it was a Peter Cushing like or now like Guinness Lee. or Christopher Lee, Max von mm-hmm. Sydow kind of like fits in that mold. But some of the people, I mean, I, I think it's a great kind of international, different cast for Rogue One. And the best part about these spinoff movies is that they are a place to try new and experimental Star Wars stories that are of a different tone because, you know, people obviously want to wax nostalgic over the the main saga. And it makes me feel better about Episode 7 possibly being a retread of old ideas and old tropes and everything else because you can do the really different things in these spinoff movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's catch that. Um, we're still calling them spinoff films. They were unveiled anthology. as anthology films. Doug, have, have you seen? Seen what? They're not anthology films anymore. They very discreetly during D twenty three changed the branding. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the the new logo that just appears in this Rogue One article on StarWars.com, Rogue One, and then where, where it said Star uh-huh. Wars anthology film, it says a Star Wars story. And, no, and, and also, I mean, just to to verify that that's going to be no. the name of the, the series is that on they put up one of those timelines that are now very big at like things like comic-con like how marvel has yeah the, and in the i guess the 2018 slot where the the lord and miller film will be it was just labeled a star wars story what the fuck and i just you know i get it in some respects because the the anthology nomenclature they're only an anthology when you collect them all together when it's by itself, it's not an anthology. Right, it's right. a single thing. It's but a pe- like a it's, Star Wars story. Right, and then, but then like so, I understand why they change it because it's not necessarily right. But then, a Star Wars story like that's that sounds it's lame. Yeah, that's it's fucking stupid sounding. So it, it's interesting. It, uh, it, it fits better within like every single thing that Disney was doing in their different presentations was about how everything they do is storytelling. Like that was like the theme. Whether it was the theme parks and you have your own story, which actually ties heavily into Star Wars uh, land. Which we'll talk about more. Yeah, yeah. The, the Star Wars theme park has been unveiled. 
And the best part about the unveiling, the, the weird sort of thing that they talked more about the, at the theme park panel, which was later after the announcement, which was during the live action movie panel, is they talked about how this expansion, the idea is that you come in with your own story, that it's so authentic an experience with aliens just hanging out in the cantinas and droids going down the sidewalks that you should have the experience of being a visitor to this planet, whether you want to be a pirate or a smuggler or a rebel or whatever it is. And then you have a journey during your, you have an actual narrative sort of through line throughout the entire thing. Yeah. So that's Matt, Matt's right there. That crazy thing he just said, he is in fact talking about star Wars land. So and basically I, I like the idea of calling it a star Wars story based on what Disney's trying to do of, Everything is kind of, you know, storytelling. I don't know if the name's perfect, but I kind of get what they're going for. I don't think you'll actually oh, yeah. hear them refer to it as a Star Wars story very often. I, I think that the nomenclature is probably going to entirely go away uh, once they got a couple of these under their belt. Like, they just, they won't, no one will say it aloud, no one will speak it, uh, except for, like, you know, press conferences and convention stuff, and then it'll just kind of quietly go away because no one needs that branding. As long as there's not a number, a Roman numeral number at but that in front of a have film. Have you noticed you know. that the, Disney never calls it Episode Seven? All the official they stuff is just Star yeah. Wars: The Force Awakens. Because they wanted to get that international branding for places where Star Wars isn't really uh, much of a thing. So why don't they just call it Star Wars Rogue One? Like, why a Star Wars story? Why not just Star Wars Rogue One? I actually assume that they they weren't using the Seven to avoid uh, tying it into to prequels. Also possible. I get that the theme of what they're doing is good, but like it's just a really dinky way to to present. But again, it. I, I but but for real though, like just say Star Wars Rogue One. Yeah, like just that's all you need to say. It's like, well, they're going to be confused about it being out of order. Well, then if you, if you think if you're afraid they're going to be confused about being out of order, then why'd you not say Episode Seven? Why just say Star Wars: The Force Awakens? And I I would imagine they went there not necessarily to distance themselves from their prequels, but because the original Star Wars was Star Wars, then Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. And then Return of the Jedi. Like, they didn't even call them, they, like, they didn't even say Star Wars in front of each of them. It was just Return of the Jedi, oh. Empire Strikes Back. Gosh, if, if, we, if we, if now, we, could, we, go, if we could go back to a day where sequels didn't have to have the name as a, like, a tie in, I would just, that would make me so happy. I would do backflips. I miss sequels <laughs> that are completely unrelated in name to the first one. I think we just, we treat everybody like idiots. So, why, yeah. So, why not just, like, again, there's like The Force Awakens? It's, it's, oh, Empire. Jedi awakens like we know what we're talking mm -hmm. about. I, I think I think we're getting to that. I mean, after all, uh, uh, Avengers was Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, it was only Avengers two early in a production. I mean, they're calling it Captain America like Civil War. But how much better would the movie be if it was just called Civil War? Like, I mean, quite frankly, the movie, I mean, just based on I mean, it barely seems Captain America like centric anyway, considering how many people are showing up. But like. I don't know. I just I just appreciate when a, a title doesn't have to relate to the film previous. Well, we're still so early in this giant franchise monstrosity of, of Marvel and Star Wars. I just think before long, it's just going to start doing that because it's it's still finding its footing, you know, in terms of like, oh, the movie franchise. How do we number this? How do we tie it all in together when other characters making other appearances? Uh, let's just say Captain America, because we need a third Captain America movie and he'll be the main character, or whatever. But, but I think you're right. Like they could have just called it Civil War. It didn't need to be 
in one film franchise or another. Like, it's just Marvel at this point. It doesn't need to be attached to one hero. But I think the same can go for Star Wars. Like, you know, you don't need, I don't even think you need Star Wars Rogue One. Just say Rogue One. You look at it, you know it's Star Wars. Well, it, what's interesting is that it won't be Star Wars Rogue One ever. It's just because of the whole a Star Wars story. I think when spoken aloud by even, I mean, the way it was, at least at the at D23, it was just called Rogue One. I mean, they never, they never talked about a Star Wars story. They never said Star Wars Rogue One. It was always Rogue One. Uh, let's talk about Star Wars Land. It's kind of the elephant in the room at this point. Yeah. 14 uh, acres. Yeah. There's, uh, there's concept art that's online right now. We'll link to you to where you can see that stuff. And, uh, as Doug said, 14 acres, it, it is the largest expansion, um, that's ever been a single theme thing uh, added on to, to Disney. And it's coming to both Anaheim, Disneyland Anaheim, and to Hollywood Studios in Orlando. It's even been rumored that uh, Disney Hollywood Studios might change its name again. Weird. Not, not necessarily to fit in with Star Wars, but the fact that not just Star Wars is getting a land expansion, but also the Pixar area is going to get an expansion, as well as the Toy Story Mania ride. The ride itself is going to be expanded. Yeah, they, they actually did. Uh, Disney had said uh, they're going to rename it after all the major expansions are done. They said that at a shareholders meeting a couple months ago. Oh, I'm curious. Okay. Where, I'm curious where they're going to take it, though. Yeah, it seems Hollywood Studios is you know succinct enough, but yeah, but you know, I mean, but if it movie is, mania, <laughs> movie mania. <laughs> I, I actually got a hold of a um uh, a one sheet like info flyer that was given out to employees of Disney World, and <laughs> the like uh, probably for the first time in in forever, the thing was broken down by park: Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, Magic Kingdom. Um, Hollywood Studios is like half the page and the other things <laughs> wow that park's been hurting for so long i'm so happy to see it like finally get its uh get its due so it's getting uh two what they call signature attractions um including a customized secret mission on the millennium falcon um and uh what they vaguely described as an epic star wars adventure that puts guests in the middle of a climactic battle which kind of sounds like star tours but star tours is getting updated too they're expanding the randomized roster of destinations you can go to with stuff from Force Awakens. That's definitely going to be pretty cool. And characters. Right, and characters. And I don't know when that's going to be happening, but I imagine that of all the things happening, that could happen sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, well, that's fairly easy. I mean, once they have the footage, what they want to do, they just put it in there. Just put it in the mix. They don't have to rebuild the ride. That was the whole point of uh, Star Tours back when George first wanted to build it. Yeah. That he wanted to be a constantly changing thing. So now that vision's finally coming true, too, which is awesome. Matt, what was it like when they announced this thing at D23? A lot of people in shock, which is, you know, kind of strange considering I think that was the most expected thing to come out of this. Because, you know, Abrams and Ka Kathleen Kennedy had kind of downplayed the amount of things we'll get about The Force Awakens there. So it was like, well, they're still planning on announcing a lot of, you know, like there was definitely a Star Wars buzz. So I would have thought that that would be kind of where that went. But, I mean, people would create... Actually, the biggest kind of uh, reaction that the entire thing got was when they said it was going to be in Anaheim also, because that was the big surprise. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Right. I don't know where they're even going to put If I had to guess, they're going to build over Toontown, because, I mean, it's, oh. yeah, it, it, from, from what I've heard, they might kind of wrap around between, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with Disneyland, but like, there's like a, an open uh, theater space that's kind of next to Thunder Mountain Railroad, and 
you could kind of like, I guess, go around Fantasyland and connect it over to to Toontown. But I, you know, 14 acres. I have to say, if I have one gripe about everything, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal, which I actually don't think is like, I mean, I think it's it's a large area, but you know, I you know, they didn't like expand the park or anything. That's 20 acres. Mm. So if we're talking something that's less than 75 percent the size of the you know, and that's just the, the one area, the Islands of Adventure, you know, not counting the Hogsmeade area. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Anyone who's who's at Universal for Harry Potter is throwing down big time to get that double park pass so you can get the full experience with the train ride and all that, but riding between the two parks. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that only the Wizarding World, only the first part, not oh, Hogsmeade, Di- yeah, yeah. Yeah, so o- the, only that is 20 acres, and that's not including Diagon Alley. Correct. Jesus, this should have been bigger. I, That's crazy. Yeah. Been, and yeah. now, now I'm starting to wonder. The teaser, I mean, they, they showed a teaser video. I actually am completely unaware if they posted that teaser video online. I haven't seen that at all. Okay. Yeah, it, I didn't know it, it existed. Well, if they were thinking about it, it, it was terrible. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> that it was a CG rendering of that one piece of concept art that's online of the Millennium Falcon coming in. Okay. And... There's no Falcon in it, and then some TIE fighters fly by, which, by the way, looked like original-era TIE fighters. But from every indication and things they've mentioned, I think it is going to be Force Awakens-era, because they did mention the, that the, the one attraction you would be going up against the First Order. And that's it. The TIE fighters fly by. The thing's not even 30 seconds long. I think it's 15 seconds. It was not very good. But it looks exactly like that concept art, which means that's what I think is like the land is going to be. And if you really look at the concept art, while it looks large, the actual areas that you see people walking in, it it looks like a plaza. Like it's just one open air area with some buildings surrounding it, like a kind of a, a U shape, I guess. And there's a bunch yeah, of I mean, there's a bunch of buildings in the background that if we know anything about Disney, they are really good at making things look, you know, like basically that doesn't have to be accessible areas. Right. I'm trying not to be a naysayer because, I, you know, <laughs> I, I absolutely adore Star Wars. But if there's something I'm going to nitpick about is that I don't think the area is going to be that big. Well, uh, at least at Hollywood Studios, they got plenty of room to make more in the future. Yes. And like if they want to make it a second thing to expand it, all they got to do is keep building backwards. And, and I really hope they do. There. And I hope it's dynamic because that's the other thing, too, is Universal did an amazing job with the Harry Potter areas. And they they probably, the Imagineers at Disney really want to outdo it. So hopefully, you know, there's something there. The way they were talking about this land was they're currently casting for just aliens. They They want it to be so immersive of an experience that no one ever breaks character that they're just going to be casting, you know, the equivalent of Dr. Evazan and, and Ponda Baba to like sit in the cantina and just do their thing and interact with guests doing their thing. And they've, you know, they really want you to have a Star Wars adventure when you arrive on this planet, which is an unnamed new planet to the Star Wars universe, which is really cool, too. You know, I'm happy we're not like when I when I thought we were getting a Star Wars land, I'm like, oh, OK, there's going to be Tatooine land and Hoth and a little bit of Endor and all those familiar things. It's kind of cool that, you know, it's a completely, for lack of a better term, alien experience. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. And I'm thrilled by this development of like all they're saying about the, the immersion because it's like right now in the UK, Secret Cinema's uh, Empire Strikes Back presentation is happening. That's, if you remember last year, we raved on, on Nerdy Show about their Back to the Future experience, which I was fortunate enough to be able to attend. 
um, where they made a third scale version of Hill Valley that was fully immersive with actors and explorable and events happening all around you. So right now, something at that scale for Empire Strikes Back is going on. Uh, we barely know the details ourselves. We're actually going to have a guest come on and, uh, and share the experience with us. And in fact, uh, on the Nerdy Show forums, Avon wrote in to say they're actually flying from Alaska to London to go see this thing. Uh. You live it up for all of us. Yeah, we, we wish we could be there so badly. So, but but this is like there's things out in the world happening right now, really emphasizing real world immersion. Now, mm-hmm. virtual reality and, and who knows how much time could make all this obsolete. But for right now, at this moment in time, fully creating a world is the thing. And Harry Potter does a bit of it with like they got these like wands that you can interact with the world with mm-hmm. and so on. So Disney is definitely going to step it up with this. I love the sound of it. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, uh, but and, and I'm not, but I'm not that big of a Harry Potter fan. I don't hate it. I'm just, it just isn't the same. But I have to admit, man, when you step into Diagon Alley and you turn around, you know, 360 degrees above you, below you, all around you, it's nothing but Diagon Alley. It it uh it sweeps you away. I I, I completely agree with you. It, it's very impressive, and I'm not into Harry Potter at all. Yeah, and when you go to Diagon Alley. And you're immersed like that, and then you get on a train, and you're immersed on the train, and you get off the train, and you're in another Harry Potter. It's like Inception. It's like you go in a thing, in a thing, in a thing, and you're so deep in this Harry Potter lore, it, it, it's as close to feeling real as it could possibly be. My only complaint is that it's in Florida, and it's hot as hell, and you're in Hogsmeade, and there's like supposed to be snow on the ground. And there's people running around with fanny packs, you know, and uh, and and jorts and uh, and Crocs, <laughs> and that that ruins it for me. But not to where I don't enjoy myself. It's just it's just sort of it's just that little reminder that you're you know you're in the middle of Florida and it's really hot. So the one cool thing I like about the designs of Star Wars so far is that it's a planet we're not really familiar with, and it looks kind of like a tro- it looks sub ca- subtropic <laughs> to temperate zone. It looks kind of like Florida. In fact, it actually looks a lot like one of the um, African plaza spaces in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, so it's it seems like uh, at least the weather won't be a problem. They know it's probably going to rain a lot. So you're, in you're, fact, uh, there's some rain clouds in, some, in most of the pictures. <laughs> so, you know, but but yeah, so it, it, it might, it, at least that won't throw you. So the only thing, if we're talking aliens and, and the, taking the elements into um, account, then the only thing that's going to throw me is uh, is the strollers. My God, <laughs> the strollers. At Disney especially, strollers everywhere. Two other kind of like things that I, I just kind of recollecting about the whole uh, Star Wars land is that we're gonna we're gonna get an idea of how this is going to proceed with Disney at the helm with the opening of Avatar World whenever that's gonna really? be yeah. because they're going with the same thing like they have an actual narrative thing and I'm once again that's another one I'm not that into Avatar but the stuff that Disney is is proposing as far as immersion is looking really really awesome I mean everything from bioluminescent um, floor padding. So that, you know, it's not just that the what? like the ground's not just going to light up. It's it, it'll like light up in the shape of your footprint as your foot lifts off. Like it, it's wow, it, it's crazy. The stuff that the Imagineers are coming with and they have all these like well rigged mountains that will look like they're floating because they'll all kind of be like rigged together and you'll be able to walk under them. And like and it's the whole the idea is that with the two just like Star Wars land is going to have like two attractions that kind of are chronologically 
unimportant into, you know, it'll still form your narrative while you're there, but it doesn't really matter how you approach them. Avatar Land is also going to have that, where they'll have a ride that's based on the whole, like, the passage into Navi society that Sam Worthington's character, uh, uh, like, endures while like i say it's not it's because that would sound like a lot of fun <laughs> like cameron it, it was interesting because he even said he's like this isn't about avatar the movie this is about you coming to visit pandora you won't be living sam worthington's character's story are they gonna have hair braiding kiosks there that's kind of weird <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> like it, it's cool because he have- he even he he stressed that like you are going to be living your own story that takes place after the first avatar film in which, you know, it's kind of like what what society's conflicts will be on Pandora post, you know, like, you know, things are better because, you know, the, the kind of military has been defeated and people have whatever, you know. But the, the immersion thing is going to be really, really cool. And we're going to get to see it before Star Wars Land opens. I just hope they have some kind of suicide prevention hotline phone somewhere in the center of it, because if people flip their shit and we're depressed after seeing the movie in 3d on imax what's going to happen you know, when you get a depressed person yep. walking into the it's park it's funny i actually thought about that too um when cameron was talking about how the the thing that we always that he always heard post the movie coming out was not you know he actually even like not really about the story it was it was that people wanted to go visit pandora that they wanted to just be there and you know, for what he was trying to accomplish with the technology on that film, I actually think that he's happier about that than people thinking that it was a good story because he went out to didn't. make an immersive world in cinema, and he did. Yeah, that is that is something. Yeah. And I, hell, I uh, really you had me at bioluminescent flooring. I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I and I think an Avatar land in at Animal Kingdom is a stupid fucking idea, especially because. Uh, it was a space that they should have been using for mythological creatures as they originally designed with the park mm-hmm. yeah. ages ago. But hey. Well, it's, it's um, a whole movement that they're trying to make Animal Kingdom a, a night park now. Because it, it usually closes at 5 p.m. Very rarely is it open later than that. It's just kind of like a you know day at the zoo. You do it on Sunday and then drive back to your home. But now I guess the whole thing is that they're taking this approach that Nature doesn't stop at night. It actually is in a whole different type of, you know, natural environment. And so they're, they're embracing that, and Avatar is going to be part of that. That's actually really exciting to hear. I was surprised to see that they, in, the, in this one sheet that I have, that they, they announced that their Kilimanjaro safaris are actually having a nighttime variation. Yep. And I was oh. like, what the heck? That's weird. No one's, Bush that, Gardens never did that. That sounds kind of cool. Because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one thing. When you would go to Universal for Halloween Horror Nights, and you ride Jaws at night. Yeah. I think it was fucking cool. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the fucking best. <laughs> it was, it was, I couldn't believe how much scarier it was just with the lights off. Mm-hmm. RIP, pouring out for Jaws, guys. Yep. Do it right now. I'm watching. <laughs> uh, so there's one more thing about D- Disney parks. Uh, Star Wars weekends, I think, are a thing of the past because now we've got Season of the Force mm-hmm. and it's beginning in early 2016 and it's the new Star Wars uh, weekends it's um smart move by Disney because y- that they made bank yeah every time it's expansive they're actually rebranding and doing I don't know what different stuff to some of their rides it, including hyperspace Mountain I think it's kind of the Star Wars version of the holiday total conversion they do at Disneyland here where you know they 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 switch over the Haunted Mansion to be Nightmare Before Christmas, and Space Mountain becomes Ghost Galaxy, and they do like different projections on the walls to make it seem like you're not flying through space, but you're flying through like this like <laughs> hell space, I guess. 
Um, uh, it's fucking Event Horizon. Yeah, and so so basically, that's actually a perfect way to describe it. Um, <laughs> and you know, and the, and the park generally becomes a Halloween themed park. And I think Season of the Force, it will just be a new seasonal event. They'll be doing a, a new projection for Space Mountain. They actually did say that, and I have a feeling like the technology, like the projection is not that great for Ghost Galaxy, but like I think because it's kind of old, but I think it'll probably look really good for Hyperspace Mountain. And I, I don't know. I think the park will just be kind of flipped over to Star Wars weekends, but like on crack and on a more long-term basis. It's an exciting prospect. Um, and, and there's lots of other like nuanced things like Jedi training, getting more in line with rebels and stuff like that. I want it for adults. <laughs> Jedi training for adults. Yeah, forget it. I'll just start drinking at the canteen and call it my smuggler training. <laughs> <laughs> you go somewhere and it's just a little puppet of you going, he's too old. <laughs> just, just too old to stop the training. Actually, they, they should do an adult one. And at the end, like a Sith comes out and cuts down your master right in front of you. You'd be the real doll experience. <laughs> that's, that's the Skywalker experience, the Luke Skywalker experience. Mm-hmm. Just seeing your masters die over and over. Okay, so let's switch gears to the numeric Star Wars films. I'm talking about episode seven and episode uh, nine, actually. Oh, boy. <laughs> mm. We'll do nine first. There's, there's not much to say about Nine, except for a bunch of grumbling. <laughs> Colin Trevorrow, the director of Safety Not Guaranteed and Megafilm Jurassic World, is the director for Star Wars Episode Nine. Episode Nine comes out in 2019, and uh, production won't begin for a few years, but Trevorrow is already meeting with people at Lucasfilm, uh, artists and so on, to uh, get things together. Kathleen Kennedy says she's been a fan of his since uh, she saw Safety Not Guaranteed, which I've actually never seen. I've heard nice things about. And, well, um, as you may know from previous content, uh, both bonus material from our Nerdy Show Patreon and, and also The Last State of the Empire to some degree, uh, Jurassic World is not a popular film amongst uh, the State of the Empire crew. No, not at all. Um, in fact, Matt, sometimes it makes you so mad you can't speak. Yeah, no, no, I... <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Colin Trevorrow, he's, he's probably a great no, guy. I, he's probably a great guy. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't, I don't entirely blame him for, for my dissatisfaction uh, with, with Jurassic World. So we'll just have to see uh, what happens with Star Wars. Yeah, I, you know, I, I saw him do a panel after a, a screening of the movie, and he... I, it, like he seems like a very smart guy. He seems like actually, like if I hadn't seen the movie right before, you know, right before the panel, I would have thought, man, Jurassic World's gonna be freaking awesome. And certainly, the guy has a good grip on directing great production design because I actually love that part of Jurassic World. Uh, Future mm-hmm. to see. I want him to design Star Wars Land. <laughs> you know, like he obviously has a handle on theme parks, but. I I have actually not seen Safety uh, Not Guaranteed. Um, I probably should. But, yeah, I, I'm worried this decision is based off of, like, does, is it because Kathleen Kennedy really likes him? Or is it because Frank Marshall really likes him because he produced Jurassic World? Or is it because Jurassic World made yeah, a ton of money? Yeah, I, 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 that is my belief on yeah. why he is directing this movie. Because Kathleen Kennedy goes on to say that, like, 
Um, the power of Fish Not Guaranteed, paired with the enormous success of Jurassic World, speaks volumes about his abilities, both as a storyteller and a skilled filmmaker. One of those two is correct. I wish that was true. <laughs> um, in fact, Jurassic World might actually detract from any actual skill he has in those fields. Yeah. I mean, he did get, he did have to share writing credit with three other people. Yeah. So I can't, again, I can't entirely blame him because my problem with Jurassic World uh, was just mostly with the, the writing. I mean, like, like uh, Matt, like you say, like the, the design of it. I mean, the, even, even the, uh, the wardrobe, like everything about it, like all the selections made throughout was, I was like, oh, that's fine. That's good. Mm-hmm. I just don't like what they're saying and I don't like what they're doing. But everything else about it uh, was, was cool to me, but just disappointing. Uh, he says, this is not a job or an assignment. It's a seat at a campfire surrounded by an extraordinary group of storytellers, filmmakers, artists, and craftspeople. We've been charged with telling new stories for a younger generation because they deserve what we all had, a mythology to call their own. We will do this by channeling something George Lucas instilled in all of us, boundless creativity, pure invention, and hope. A Star Wars story. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't know, I don't know how to approach, like... Episode 9, and as of right now, he's not affiliated with the, the screenplay for Episode 9. It's being written, I, I mean, last I heard, I thought, wasn't Ryan Johnson writing 9? But I guess now he's only doing Episode 8? He, I guess he was never confirmed for 9. We were hearing that he was probably... Uh, apparently now apparently... they're saying story treatment, which I guess it's important to have, you know, the, you know, the major kind of where is this story going after J.J. Abrams sets it up. Right. But well, it's interesting because uh, it was revealed that uh, over, during the D23 weekend uh, how how loose everything was with story and how actually loose it still is. They kind of they know roughly where they're headed, but they don't have the rest of it I guess worked out yet. Um, Kennedy says, "We know where we're going, but only in the broadest sense." When Ryan came in and started writing his script, he started from scratch, other than knowing what we had done in episode 7 and projecting out where he was going. He then sat down and put pen to paper, and it's 100% him. I, that's cool. I mean, I, I don't like the idea of, of, you know, plotting out three movies, you know, without an idea, uh, without, you know, knowing if they're going to be adaptable to like, oh, wait, this is a better idea. I, I, I like the idea of Colin Trevorrow directing someone else's screenplay more than Ryan Johnson directing his own screenplay. And I don't, I, I, I know, I realize... I'm listening to myself and I sound like a real cynical asshole, <laughs> but, 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 but I, they ju- Disney had just happened to pick two directors that, uh, while I can respect for what they've done in the past, uh, their, their latest efforts before star Wars just were disappointing to me. And I know that's probably just my personal taste. That's, that's fine. I'm willing to accept that, but, uh, I just don't know, man. I don't know. Whereas at least with Star Trek Into Darkness, I was disappointed with that. But I can look at Star Trek Into Darkness and say, yeah, but that guy could probably do a real good Star Wars movie. You know, like you, you can see the logic in choosing him. But uh, the others, I'm just I'm kind of scratching my head. Yeah, I don't know, the Ryan Johnson one's weird, like Brothers Bloom and Looper, which I didn't care for either of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Ryan Johnson has, has made himself uh, put himself back in a good light with, I guess, his work on Breaking Bad, which I'm not familiar with. I, I haven't watched that yet, but I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. George Lucas being the only one who kind of wrote and directed himself in the series that they're giving it to, to this guy. 
Uh, I mean, it could be great. I don't know. We'll just have to. Uh, you know, I'm I'm open minded. I, I'm just I need to see more before I can get. Yeah, uh, it's one of that's as we've said in in recent State of the Empires. It's so hard to evaluate most of this because we haven't seen a single film yet. Like yeah. we can the story group they spend some beautiful stories about yeah. how this is going down, about how the world's working together, and we can get excited about it. But we haven't seen proof. Well, you know, I mean, you know what? On the flip side, with Rogue One, Gareth Edwards. I didn't really care much for Godzilla. Yeah, and, and, but it's it's not it's not a bad movie. There was just like there were so many moments where it's like a misstep. But but the the first act of that film was one of the best things I saw oh, last yes. year. Yes, oh my goodness, so, yes. I will go on about the first act of Godzilla and how amazing it is, and then it just gets a little weird where it's like it tries to whatever. This isn't a Godzilla podcast, but the point the point being, like. Ryan Johnson and like uh, Colin Trevorrow, I was not that excited about Gareth Edwards just because of Godzilla, but everything that's been coming out about it, I'm just like, I'm, I love it. Like, I believe I in him. I, yeah. I can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, in the he, same way. He's too cool. Like just looking at his vacation photos in uh, Tunisia, like yeah. at, at, at celebration, like, and I know Colin Trevorrow is a huge Star Wars fan. So, I mean, like I'm, I'm given, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm giving them all benefit of the doubt. I just don't know. We just got to see. Whereas with Kara Edwards, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it's because I saw him at Celebration. I'm I'm more willing to to get excited for that. I don't know. He had at, at D23. He had a, a little video message to everybody, and uh, they were filming on in a on a desert planet. He said he was about to go film the first scene of the movie, which also I, I still don't believe. I feel like they've been filming a little longer no. than they lead yeah, on. They probably yeah. But uh, you know, he said hi to everybody at D23, and and it was. If I had to describe the environment they were filming in, very Junlin's waste. Like it it was desert canyony. I don't think like mm. I really doubt that they're in Tunisia because things over in Tunisia Could it be are Jack awful. Who, perhaps? You know, if I had to based on what we're now speculating, at least we as in the, the, the Star Wars fandom, a lot of people believe Diego Luna might be playing Big's Dark Lighter. And if they're really trying to set this up as a possible spin-off franchise, that there could be future Rogue One movies. Um, well, actually, that wouldn't really work with Biggs, now would it? Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's some stuff, if it is, in fact, Biggs, that they might have a little something take place on Tatooine, which would upset me, because that, that planet is really not the furthest thing away in the galaxy yeah, i'm beginning to think that is actually the, the, the central the wells hub. run dry it is, yeah <laughs> the wells run dry on tatooine gosh i was upset when i started to see all the uh the concept art for for episode seven in the desert and then yeah. all of a sudden everything you know they were filming in in uh out in in uh abu dhabi or you know wherever they were and I was like, oh no. I was upset when he went back in attack of the clones i was like are we really fucking back here yep. again attack of the clones like how how many times do we have to go back here? What a Once weird misstep movie. with Return of the Jedi, by the way. Like, why did we have to go back to Tatooine? For Jabba the Hutt? But, but we didn't have any Jabba prior to, like, no Jabba on Tatooine. Some mentions of him. Jedi was fine until the prequels made sure that we were sick of Tatooine. Yeah. It, it, felt, it felt, like... Cyclical, well, he also did. Well, well, there was the deleted scene where he had to go back to build the lightsaber because he probably had to get the instructions from like Kenobi's house or some shit. Luke having to build yeah. his own lightsaber. I don't know. It's just. I mean, uh, other than you know believing that 
you know, just that, like, oh, we've we've filmed there before. Why don't we just oh, reuse also you establish? No, yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, like, that's you know, the real world explanation is like, well, we always have the desert. We can always go back to the desert. Yeah. But like in you know, in the universe, it's just like, well, Jabba the Hutt's gonna live in the Outer Rim territories. You know, it's like he's, where, where the Empire is not gonna really give a shit. So I can easily see that it's better than inventing a whole new planet and you have to go to a whole new biome. It's like, where are you going to go? You've already been done the jungle. You do the, you do the forest, you do the snow, you done the desert. What are you going to do next? You know, we're episode seven. We're going back to desert, but it's not tattooing. I mean, they could have even done that. I was just, I mean, I guess it's it'll, going back to snow, but it's not Hoth. Yeah. Well, it looks, but it looks foresty. Like the, it looks like there's, there's still, you know, Trees life and, and it, it looks like simply winter in a, for, in a, you know, forested climate. Yeah. Well, actually, let's let's switch. Let's talk about episode seven right now. So I'm going to preface this by saying you could kind of consider this the spoiler zone. Uh, if you're concerned about any information about episode seven and hearing things, we're going to speculate an awful lot right here. And so watch yourself. Are we going to we going to open the blast doors, close the blast doors? Have we figured out what to call this this thing yet when we're going into the spoiler territory? Uh, we're going to open the blast doors. Let's let's open them. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. <laughs> so uh the blast doors are open. Uh watch out here there be spoilers. So we got we got lots of information. We got we got it confirmed that yes, Kylo Ren did build his junky ass lightsaber. Um he is obsessed with Darth Vader and Kylo Ren is not his real name. It's a name that is much like Darth Vader's, you know, like a, a title. Um, and he took it from the Knights of Ren. And there's actually something that, that Matt recently stumbled across that was, that's really strange involving Kylo Ren's name. Yeah, the, the droids cartoon series featured Kaibo Ren. And it's just, it's, it's not the same. It's not spelled the same at all, but it's so phonetically similar. It's just a weird, impossible coincidence, I want to say. But it's because he has a longer name, but like his nickname was Kaibo Ren. Kaibo Ren is in the middle of, of his name, and that was just what he was commonly referred to as. It's just very, mm. it's, just, it's a weird thing that no one has brought up. Just like no one's brought up the, the Captain Phasma being from a Star Wars fan film, which is kind of, you know. Wait, back that up. I haven't heard that. Well, so was the title The Force Awakens. That's a Star Wars fan film as well. Also, I'm fairly certain that we can officially say the pronunciation is phasma right because yeah, it's phasma. based on phantasm yeah yeah I, I, that, that's what i've been saying uh oh i'm sorry it wasn't a fan film it was a, a piece of fan fiction called tarkin's fist <laughs> i it, don't think i want to hear anymore i don't want to hear anymore about it <laughs> yeah yeah hmm, i don't know uh that would be kind of awesome it was uh jj abram's <laughs> favorite piece of erotic star wars fan fiction <laughs> And, and was it just a name that happened to be in there, or was it like, you know, a chrome stormtrooper called Phasma? I don't know further than that. I know it's interesting that they're both um, captains. That's true. Also that Phasma is female, which is a unique feature of, you know, Gwendolyn Christie playing this, this character, is that, you know, it's our first confirmation that any sort of a female person has, you know, donned any sort of clone trooper, stormtrooper armor before. At least, you know, within the context of film, obviously. I mean, are female stormtroopers a normal thing in an expanded universe content or, you know, former expanded universe content? I want to say that it's not unheard of, but I don't think there's anyone notable that I can think of off the top of my head. But yeah, so basically it's just it's just interesting that there's been some weird name coincidences. And I do honestly believe they are coincidences, but it's just odd. The force, you know, is a very mysterious thing. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's like really odd in uh, Into Darkness with that guy named Khan, and there was another villain in Star Trek called <laughs> Khan. There's really nothing like that Khan. So, you know, coincidence. I hear you. Uh, <laughs> so the Knights of Ren are the thing that he took his name from, and there's some images of them which we'll link to, and they look, uh, they look intense. We don't know what they are, but this could be like, uh, you know, old school Sith stuff. And Abrams goes on to say, uh, I think there are two sides to the Force. Both sides, arguably, would see themselves as a hero of their story. And I think that applies here. Which is interesting, because we've been talking about, in all our speculation leading up to this film, about how Force Awakens may actually outline the conflict between uh, Jedi and Sith, and what that all actually means. I hope so, because we still don't have, within the context of what is considered canon, or even expanded universe, I mean, it's very difficult to pin down what created this, you know, you know, millennia long conflict. And I think it would be a neat approach to not give us a good background until seven movies in, you know, if you can give me something, you know, convincing and tie it all together, I think um, that would be a good idea, I guess. So what I'm, what I'm getting here and we've, we've hinted at it before. I feel like Kylo Ren is a, Weepy, angry, sithy <laughs> Darth Vader fanboy, um, and he's maybe Luke's kid, and he's all like, "Man, Dad, you're like so like good, and like Granddad was so like cool, and why could you be more like him?" And I'm gonna put on Granddad's old mask, and because uh, J.J. Abrams said that uh, it was a de- intended nod to Vader. For Kylo Ren, he's like, yeah, you know, I just want to be real badass like Grandpa, and you're so, like, boring. It'd, it'd be, I mean, on one hand, that's kind of cool, but on the other hand, it, it can we just get over the fucking family drama of the Skywalker lineage? It's like, oh, I'm your father. Oh, I'm, you're not my dad. Just like, and then again with Luke, can, can Luke have a single relative that's not Princess Leia? Or even with Princess Leia, a fucking revelation about it's like, oh, they're not who you thought you were. You thought your dad was this? He's actually this. Didn't know you had a sister. You have a sister. Is your son this? He's no. He's really this. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, what the fuck? Can't this guy just have a, a just an inkling of happiness in his life? I mean, I, I, the, I, I would, the drama runs strong in my family. Well, <laughs> I would prefer it if it if Kylo Ren was uh, Solo's kid at this point. Well, could be. Yeah, but the same thing goes. Like, Grandpa was so much cooler than you. No, that part. Yeah, sure, fine. But it's but it's now it's uncle crazy old uncle Luke. You know what I mean? Like the hermit guy, you yeah. know, who's off doing his own thing instead of like directly the dad. Like all these fucking Jedi having kids. I don't know. It's weird. Makes more sense to me that I mean, you know, Han and Leia got busy. Well, moderately busy. At least. Yeah, cer- certainly some uh, celebratory endor sex. You would think. <laughs> yub yub. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, does it sound like it sounds like what the Ewok population is like? <laughs> Chief Chirpa officiated. Oh boy. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. It's it it's interesting because both uh, supposedly Ray, Finn, and Poe were all cast with, according to J.J. Abrams, no my you know nothing in his head about race, which is great from the standpoint of of casting but also does that tell us a lot about the story is the fact that they don't have last names on any merchandise indicative of something sinister and revealing who they are or is it simply a famed jj abrams likes to have fun with his marketing and everything else type yeah he said there's a reason and that reason could be so you'll speculate (laughs) 
But again, I always pointing to into darkness. Everything that was lead up into darkness. Actually, there's a quote they left out of Entertainment Weekly. JJ said, um, "Well, I, I I left the names out specifically to give State of the Empire something to do." <laughs> <laughs> I know those guys will get up to trouble if they don't have more information on their hands. So I just want to really like you know lead them down a wild goose chase. Well, yeah, well, well thank again. you, JJ, because it has kept me up a little bit at night. Like these are the things it's, I it's think about. Smoke and mirrors, man. Smoke and mirrors just to get us talking. <laughs> Kazdan says, um, in, in regards to Kylo Ren, there's never been a character quite like him. I think you're going to see something that's brand new to the saga. He's full of emotion. <laughs> no matter how... Just like that guy who's called Khan and in Into Darkness is like full of emotion. <laughs> no matter how we express ourselves in the world, whether we hide it and act very calm or whether we're very out there and demonstrative, everybody's roiling with emotion and you want your characters to be that way too. Then they have to deal with their emotions the best they can with what they are. Uh, and Which is weird because like... I don't know. Kazdan turned down the prequels. I think maybe he didn't ever watch them. Maybe he doesn't know. We're like Wannigan Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> like a plenty of emotion there. Yeah, it, it's weirdly reminiscent of sort of like a, a, a like a Jason Solo belief where like, oh, I'm I'm a dark sider, but I don't like I don't believe that there's light and dark. Use the force. It's really just an intention. Yeah, like that 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 exploration. Would be cool. It would. I'm just not expecting. Well, it, it's strange too because the thing that made Jason Solo intriguing was he was kind of emotionless in that regard. It was like, well, Force Lightning is referred, you know, is, is considered like a dark side thing, but I'm using Force Lightning to save innocence or who he perceives to be innocent. So it's not dark. It's just a you know power of the Force, and that was an interesting thing they started to explore until it turned out it was the Sith sort of like planting a worm in his head about, you know, power for power's sake and everything else, and he eventually became a Sith Lord. But Jason Solo wasn't emotional about it, and it sounds like Kylo Ren, it sounds like kind of has the same way. Like, it's not a new thing for a bad guy to believe they are the good guy in any sort of fiction. I mean, it usually makes for a very compelling bad guy, but if his actions don't convince me otherwise that he could be, like, I, I don't know, it's a weird, like, both Abrams and Kazdan, the way they're describing it, you know, if he... Just because he believes he's the good guy, but he's like force choking, you know, innocence. I, he's still evil to me. Right. So, I, you know, hopefully it's not just displayed in his emotions and, and dialogue, but it's actually something compelling about, you know, the, 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 the things he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll just we'll see when the movie comes out. I mean, the, there's hints that he's. I mean, are, he's taking, is he going to take the mask off? Is he going to soliloquy? What's he going to, you know, what's it going to be? Uh, we, we, we don't see how this character is going to be handled. So I, I just don't want a repeat of what they tried to do with Anakin in the prequels. Yeah, it, it's, I'm angry be it because of, of this and ooh, ooh, I'm so mad I could be Sith, you know, and then, <laughs> and then they do, you know, it's, we've seen that. Now, Luke's, Luke Skywalker is not the main character of this film by virtue of the outlines we've been reading that he may be featured practically not at all. He might be the main, like the main old school character in the next film, but all signs point to Han being a primary character, Leia being a secondary character and Luke practically not being in the movie. Um, this could be wrong because there's so much we haven't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like likely the Hansel is going to be heavily featured. And then as we mentioned in prior episodes, and here's the biggest spoiler of them all. If you're just tentatively listening to this, Hansel is going to die. Which I'm still hoping is like smoke and mirrors because um, I love Han Solo. But... How, however, mm -hmm. the thing that Kathleen Kennedy said to get J.J. Abrams to direct this film after 
he after she told him how much money he would make. Well, I mean, this is <laughs> well, let's, let's be real. Well, yeah, so, yeah after, after that, but he, he already turned it down like twice. Yeah, that's true. She said, "Who's Luke Skywalker?" Meaning, who is he now, thirty years later? And to which she reportedly JJ replied, according to Kennedy, "Oh my God, I just got the chills. I, I'm in. Fine, let's do it." So, if if the if the question of who is Luke Skywalker thirty years later is what got him into it, maybe. All that stuff I just said is totally wrong. Yeah. Maybe Luke is a major player in this film. Because, yeah, because here's the thing. I, I, I hope that that's true in a way because it's like, who is Luke Skywalker? Oh my God, I just got chills. I'm in. And you know what? Fuck that. Let Ryan Johnson direct that movie. It's like, that, like what? That doesn't make sense. I think, I think the way Abrams deci- has decided to interpret this is who is Luke Skywalker is in the myth of Luke Skywalker. Like, I have a feeling a lot of the movie is going to be about, like, you know, chasing down what he became. Like, you know, we've heard a lot about flashbacks. We've heard a lot about, you know, things like that. I don't think it means that he's going to play a lot into the film personally. I just think it, it will revolve around Kylo Ren because, you know, he's chasing this lightsaber supposedly that belonged to Luke and also, you know, belonged to Anakin before him. The new people coming into their own. I think we're going to come across Han saying he lost touch with his buddy years ago. I think Leia's going to say, oh, I lost my brother. I think it's the idea of what happened to this legend the, the legend yeah and then in the second one it's the man behind the legend yeah. sort of thing because i mean you're talking i mean i'm only just now thinking about it but if you want to talk about the legend of skywalker this is the guy who blew up the death star probably killed the emperor as far as the rest of the universe is concerned then became a jedi knight when there were no other jedi knights i mean it, it sounds epic as hell you know, like, like, it doesn't sound like this guy could actually exist. So I can see the, the draw to that. Quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that he had 15 to 20 years of other heroics. Yeah. Liberating Coruscant and, you know, everything else that... May, may, maybe training other Jedi Knights, you know? Like, uh, I mean, I don't think there's going to be a whole bunch of Jedis in the movie, but, like, I, he had to have at least started training somebody. Right. Maybe that somebody's Kylo Ren. Unless he got, unless something happened where he was like, you know what? Uh, this is no. The let's the force could be the force, but like every the more he the deeper he goes into what like a Jedi is, he like he's like I'm not prepared for this. It's not me. I don't really know what the force should be. Maybe there's a reason that all this happened, and I should just step away from it and see. You know, like people mm-hmm. will have force powers and they can figure it out. It's it's a uh, it's interesting. There's uh there's a lot of possibilities now, and we thought we thought we knew everything, and then it turns out we uh we don't. But uh, let's go back to the Han dying thing. We have, we have a lead. Yeah. And now I'm hoping this lead is intentionally put there on purpose to make us all think Han's going to die. It's a weird lead, you guys. Yeah. You're not going to believe it. It's a spiral notebook from Walmart. Yeah. And, and it, it's a Chewbacca-themed spiral notebook, presumably out there to get that Force Awakens money for yeah. that back-to-school the, the, the season. Kind that, you know, the kind you would buy for your kid. Your kid's like, I want Chewbacca on my notebook. You're like, oh, all right, kiddo, here you go. And you hand, you hand, the, hand, them, you hand them this little spiral notebook that just got... It's, just, it's a montage of just collage of pictures of kind Chewbacca. Of poorly photoshopped yeah. stills yeah. from this movie specifically. Yeah, but in the corner. Yeah, uh, in the corner, and we'll, we'll link to where you can see this. There's a shot of... Chewie and Ray in the cockpit of the Falcon with Chewie piloting, and they both look miserable. Yeah. And Han's <laughs> not there. <laughs> so it's really like they both look like they've seen some shit. 
Han isn't there, and it's Chewie even looks like... And he's Chewie, yeah. so like you, it's hard to read his emotions, but even he looks like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... Uh, yeah, it, like that he looks like he failed his life debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he made, he made a life debt that I will one day... I'm going to stick with you till I save your life, and I fucking failed after how many goddamn years? Ugh. I don't know, man. But who wants to be the kid that has the the Han just died I notebook? I don't know! And not only that, who... What idiot has access to that photo and just slaps it on the notebook cover? <laughs> like, who, who let that loose? And... And even if you did, and it was approved, who let it loose early before the movie? There's the, we're missing something. I, like maybe it was just a dumb photo they put. I, it just it can't. That's like that's but, like a quadruple I, mistake. I tell you what, if that ends up being it, it's gonna be hard for us to all not burst out laughing as soon as we see that particular oh, shot. No, no, it's gonna hurt if it happens. <laughs> It'll hurt, but I'm just gonna be like just wringing my my hands, just like just out of anger, like. That, that, that they would let that out or at least hint at it. Even people who pick it up, they don't even think twice about it. It still is like, it's a clue. I don't like it. Mm. Uh, the last thing we have for episode seven is uh, Drew Struzan, the guy who uh, does, well, the most famous movie posters yeah. <laughs> for, for all, of, all of cinema, but, but he's also done all the Star Wars films. Uh, he's seen part of the movie. Like half of it, really. Yeah, and, uh, and he, he, he put out a new poster that was exclusive, at least... For the time being, to uh, to D twenty three, you got one, Matt, right? I did, I did. You lucky duck. Yeah, uh, it's pretty pretty wonderful. So he says, um, JJ showed him like half the movie, and it was just a wonderful film. And I know it's going to be grand. I got to read the script, and subsequently, I've seen half of it, and I can tell you and the fans this: honest to God, it is far and away probably going to be the best Star Wars you've ever seen. It's beautifully made, and it's a wonderful story. Now, I don't know what Struzan's op- opinions are like. Maybe yeah. he, you know, know really likes Jurassic are. World. Yeah, maybe but, he does. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. But. Maybe he really likes the prequels. That's a heck of a quote. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like, a lot. I've done all the posters for all the Star Wars movies, and this is better than the best ones. Yeah. And those films and he's only seen half of it. That's like to say, I've only seen half of a movie, and I'm telling you, it's already the best one. It's like, that's pretty bold, man. Yeah, well, he's seen half of it, and he's read the script. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, I could have read the script for Godzilla and probably thought it was still amazing, you know? <laughs> but the, the halfway mark, if you showed me half of Godzilla, turned it off, and said, what do you think of that movie? I'm like, that may be the best movie of the year. <laughs> it's, it's like, <laughs> I would honestly be like, holy crap, I need to see the rest of this. And then if you show me the second half, it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. All right, so we still got some more Star Wars to talk about, but uh, I always like to shake things up for where and when a Willow Watch happens. It's Willow Watch time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Are you guys ready for this? Doug, you know this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matt, Matt, you you don't know this yet. I've uh, been talking to Bob Dolman the past couple days. Okay. The screenwriter for Willow. Uh-huh. We've been trying to put together the all Willow Watch episode for over a year now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to jinx us or anything, but it's totally happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So at the very least, we're going to have screenwriter Bob Dolman and Alan Varney, the guy who wrote the Willow Source book, dropping truth bombs about Willow. Look forward to that. 
as I've always said, as soon as we can. But yeah. this time, oh man, it's on right now. That's a hell of a catch there. Yeah. Do you guys think we may actually get just a hint at like a Willow Story Bible? That's the hope. I mean, we're going to be talking to both of them about their experiences. And we've seen throughout all of our investigations into there's Willow. Hints, there's clues. So much information yeah. that is concurrent across different mediums of storylines that never appeared in the movie at all. There's got to be more there. And we want to know all about it. And the bones have spoken, which he said himself. <laughs> and and uh, I cannot wait to pick their respective brains about all the, the Willow secrets out there. And uh, if we verify that there's, um, there's information out there. Like that, a hidden tome of knowledge about all things Willow. Yeah, it, it's just confirmation of everything we've come to believe here at, at State of the Empire that a Willow sequel is easily achievable. We just need someone at Disney to say yes to it. Mm -hmm. And the material is already there. The script is not yet written, but you can hand it off to any burgeoning young director and get yourself a Willow movie. Though, preferably, they would hand it off to Ron Howard. Yeah, but if he's not interested, I'm sure they'll get. I mean, get and, anyone, and you know, and yeah. and maybe Bob Dolman. Yeah, but we'll we'll see. Thus ends Willow Watch. But oh my God, yeah. <laughs> interview <laughs> with Bob Dolman, a Willow story. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, let's crack open the toy chest. When we return with State of the Empire, it will be in the wake of Force Friday. The day that all the new merch hits the stands. The new action figures, the new books. I don't know how fast we can read Star Wars Aftermath. I don't, I, you know, we'll see. Maybe it'll leak. We can get some cliff notes or something. But uh, we're going to hit you up right after that, as soon as we can. And we were planning on, you know, going to the toy stores and uh, getting the details and the action figures and everything. Well, I don't know. I, we may actually know everything that's coming out right now. What we don't know is what's written on the back of their, uh, all of their respective packaging because some of them have actually already hit ebay we saw a phasma and a kylo ren hit ebay sold for a measly hundred dollars a piece what only a hundred bucks like buy it now i think the goal was get it on ebay and sell it immediately before uh disney like Takes like it down, whoa I guess. yeah well that's you know a hundred bucks i guess whatever it seems like it's worth a lot more than that i, I mean it won't be but right now it is. Yeah, so. good point, yeah. Anyway, uh, we, we know, we've known some things. There's actually a full Hasbro catalog that, I don't know, was it officially released, Matt, or was it a leak? Uh, it appears to be a leak. If that's still up, we'll link to it on this episode's page. It's, uh, you know, it, it's basically like the, uh, the Christmas catalog for Star Wars. Oh, what do you, what do you want? What kind of lightsaber you want? <laughs> what kind of Kylo Ren mask you want? Um, and, and all the action figures. Now, I, don't, I think the Kylo Ren, I don't know if it was the mask. I believe it was the mask. It has a voice changer, apparently. So oh. it seems that Kylo will have some sort of augmented voice. That, that's a tough one, I have to say, to do that sort of thing with a, with a villain in a Star Wars movie because you, know, you just have a lot to go up against because you know, James Earl Jones was so freaking... I mean, that might probably the most iconic voiceover work possibly ever done in cinema. and. You know, you, ha you have to kind of follow that up in a manner of speaking. I remember when, I mean, it's not, it wasn't nearly the impact because, you know, George Lucas added a new villain for every single prequel. So it didn't have the same impact. But Grievous apparently was supposed to be Gary Oldman, I believe, at first. But then, 
Matthew Wood, who was the the head sound designer, Academy Award winner, you know, had been doing, I mean, a, a whole bunch of stuff, did the voice just for, for Tess prior to getting Gary Oldman in studio. And Lucas and everybody else there loved it so much that they just kept him on. And he also continued to voice him through Clone Wars. And I'd say it, it, they did a good, a good job, I think, at least vocally for Grievous. But I'm guessing if he does have an argument that it's going to be Adam Driver's voice, even though that wasn't the case for David Prowse and James Earl Jones. So it'll be interesting. Maybe uh, if there isn't any Kylo Ren, you know, audio that comes out like a trailer or something um, to go with Force Friday, we can get ourselves one of these masks and try to figure out what the hell he sounds like. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be uh, if I didn't know about the voice changer, that might be the one thing that I am really committed towards buying on Force Friday just to, just to screw around with it and, and record the next state of the Empire while wearing that mask. <laughs> I'll put on the Darth Vader one. You can put on that one. <laughs> So, insofar as the action figures, uh, we're seeing a lot of the main characters. We got Finn and Rey, both in their Jakku wear, which we've seen. Kylo Ren, Poe Dameron, Captain Phasma, X-Wing pilot, First Order uh, pilots, the Gen- General Hux from the First Order. PZ-4CO, uh, who's a, uh, Leia's droid, actually, who she nick- is nicknamed, like, shortened to PZ. There's all kinds of, like, you know, extra details floating around there about, like, you know, minutia details with that and how it all fits together we got a character named goose tours and sarco plank like desert people i have some sudden speculation and dawning on me based on this catalog by the way bring your awakening to all okay so yeah there's been an awakening let's see if (laughs) if you guys can feel it too (laughs) we have let's say that every time (laughs) (laughs) the most prevalent rumors regarding han's demise have it occurring late in the film clearly you know, it, it wouldn't have the same impact if it's early. It would be kind of, you know, how do you focus on the rest of the film? Now, we have Finn labeled as Jakku. And if I'm, I, I can't seem to find it, but I thought I remember also seeing a reference to Ray's character being labeled in that outfit as Jakku Ray. Yes. That, to me, signifies that if Han were to die, it would be on Jakku. And Jakku seems like it occurs early in the film. There was also rumors that, the snow planet was just a different part of Jakku. Oh, that could be interesting. That well, there was there's been rumors that the entire movie takes place in this area because that the the snow environment, the the village in the beginning, the you know the 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 desert environment that Ray has found that it's all Jakku. I, that would be really cool if it's just like they get out of the desert and then it's like oh. Well, uh, we need to go to the other part of the planet. You mean there's another part to this planet? <laughs> and then they go to a snowy area? I would love that. But I don't think you label the figures Jakku if it all takes place on Jakku. Well, to differentiate for the sequel films. <laughs> uh, I don't, well, I mean, they do say Force Awakens on them, I believe. True. But I, I don't know. I just have, I, I just, I gotta believe that Ray undergoes a costume change at some point. Right. Though the depressed uh, picture with her and Chewie in the cockpit, she was still wearing what we know as her yeah. Jakku outfit, yeah. Well, that's what I mean, is if, if Han was going to die, the most that I've seen, you know, rumor-wise when it happens is during the final battle on this snow planet. And I can't imagine them escaping. I mean, maybe Han doesn't make it that far. Maybe Han does die before, you know, we, we get off Jakku. Or at least before she gets out of the Jakku outfit. But 
I, I don't know. I, I got to if if they're going to kill Han, it's got to be Kylo Ren or maybe Boba Fett makes a surprise appearance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Jabba the Hutt sends his regards and then Boba. Um, Thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Is some random character going to off Han? I, I don't think so. And TK four two one. Yeah. It doesn't seem, at least from rumors we've been reading, that Kylo Ren's going to come across them. I, I, I'm double-checking the Hasbro thing. Now, there's two lists I'm looking at. I'm looking at the, the itemized list on MakingStarWars.net. That's where I got Ray Jakku. Now, I'm over on the Hasbro thing. We got another uh, Ray outfit over here. It's, it's oh, really? Ray Starkiller Base. See? There we go. Okay, so, okay, so they are calling it Starkiller Base, which is a big deal, by the way, that we're, we're figuring this out for sure based on the, the Hasbro catalog. But that right there, is Han really going to die on Jakku, or at least soon after Jakku? Uh, Starkiller Base, we can assume, is the military facility in the snowy place, which we've seen. Which we believe is, is the Taco Bell planet, right? Yes. Like that's what we're, yeah, Taco Bell. Taco Donna, where, uh, where Maz's castle is. Oh, also, we should, we should mention before we get further along, uh, it seems as though the uh, Darth Vader was, for we mentioned in previous episode, the Darth Vader action figure was a false alarm because there all, there's also a Bespin Luke. So unless there is a highly unconventional flashback in Star Wars, we will not be see. I mean, it's just they're just buffering the uh, the first wave with uh, figures that classic figures that anybody would want. Collect. I I think it's a good idea those two also because the movie features Vader's mask and Anakin's lightsaber. So, you know, and, and, you know, being the best Ben lightsaber that Luke uses. So I think that's, that's cool that technically parts of those figures will appear in The Force Awakens. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and there's also a uh, Jedi Luke that appears as part of... There's, this catalog has a lot of action figure action figure stuff in here. The likes of which I haven't seen in Star Wars figures in a long time. Yeah, every, everybody's try, like, trying to over-speculate based on like weird vehicles and things like that. There's, there's vehicles that, that look the, like the kind of vehicles that are like modular little accessory vehicles that don't really exist. Like They've popped up all throughout Star Wars history, uh, some of which have been integrated into the action figure lines. Like, for example, the Imperial Transport, which was added into Rebels. Um, but uh, the armor-up figures are characters that are wearing perfectly sane costumes, but also come with extra armor. You can put extra armor onto your First Order Stormtrooper or Flame Trooper. Yo, dog, who do you like armor? It, what's, what's ridiculous is how much people really are reading into that type of figure or vehicle. That's so stupid. There's No, it's nothing. It means nothing. You can put extra armor on Boba Fett. You can put some kind of fucking Tusken Raider-looking shit on Jedi Luke Skywalker, like as in from Return of the Jedi. It's preposterous. It's dumb. But what was, what's weird is there was a thing that I saw and I was like, that's totally like action figure goobly gook nonsense. And it's kind of like a personalized ATST, like a tiny walker for one dude, you know? And it is actually, it shows up in not just the, uh, the, the regular action figure line, but also in different, different lines, such as the, uh, the 12 inch figures also have one of these things. And there's also speeder bikes that, you know, maybe they're in the film, maybe they're not, but they, they occur across different, um, platforms like micro machines 12 inch figures as well so there's a speeder bike chase somewhere in here and there's also fucking like the the imperial equivalent equivalent of like a segway basically but with two chicken walker legs it, i don't know it looks dumb as hell yeah if it's the the same figure i'm i remember seeing I actually had a conversation with uh matthew downham on uh how i actually think the the, the walkers look terrible in this movie 
that's not going to be a cool design choice unless you know in action they look cooler than everything i've seen so far as far as figures and like very very tiny shots in the trailer the walkers could use some work and uh, we also saw another Micro Machines uh, transforming playset. It's an R2-D2 that folds out into a undetermined snowy location where, um, you know, presumably something attached to Starkiller Base or something like that. It kind of looks like it's a bunch of ice caves, but then there's also some sort of little base stuff as well. Uh, there's a first, order, a first Order snow speeder. And, I mean, really just some stuff that if I looked at it and didn't know there was a new film coming out, I'd say it was a Hoff playset, but it's not. Not a lot of wording or details there. I don't know what to make of it. The uh, the the ray at Starkiller Base is maybe the uh, one of the most telling things that there is on here. Oh, the the sorry, the the hand stuff is really starting to to get to me. I'm just trying to like you know glean as much as we can from these figures. But I, I have the Starkiller Base thing makes me feel really confident that he's he's going to make it. I just don't think they'll kill him off prior to the final act of the film. So wait, are you saying that you think that he's going to make it through the whole movie or that he's going to make it to a point? I will say I think that that image used on the, on the Walmart spiral notebook of infamy is not related to Hondine. I think. Uh, but, but, but use the thinking he's still going to die. I will say it becomes shakier every day that he is going to die. I feel people punch holes in various theories more often the, the longer they last and the more information comes out. I'm hoping that when we get the full-length trailer, possibly in two weeks around Force Friday, that we'll have some like shots of him, at least in the Starkiller base spec, you know, that area of the, of the film that like... Maybe they're going to pull like some... Um... Uh, some cheap Marvel move where, like, uh, with Nick Fury, you think he's dead, and it's just like I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> it's like just just a, you know steps out of the shadows in the next movie with Lando in tow. It's like all right, everyone can relax. We're here now. While I'm still confident, you know, via weird sort of merchandising evidence that he's at least going to last that long, to kind of throw a little evidence in the other direction. At D23, when they brought out Harrison Ford, first of all, the crowd, I've never heard a crowd go crazier than that. Like, it was, it was definitely, you know, something special to see. And you don't really see Harrison Ford being very emotional of a person. I don't think he's that far off from Han and Indy as far as the way he goes about his public persona. And he was emotionally moved by the reception he was getting. People wouldn't sit down. The standing ovation went on and on and on. And he was like tearing up a little. He put his, his fingers to rub his eyes and he thanked everybody and everything. If there was, if you want to read in that this is like his Star Wars swan song, that might be the reaction, the reason why he was reacting the way he doesn't normally. Well, it could also be because he's never experienced this much of an outpouring because he, he doesn't go to any of the Star Wars conventions. He's never been to any, any of it. It's true, but I mean, it's just, it, it wasn't the way that he seemed at the Comic-Con panel. I don't know what to make of it. There's, it's, it's crazy. Like, we felt really certain, and now we're uncertain. Um, now me's a thinking, we don't know. But, but the, the rumor was always that Han would die at, the, at Maz's castle during an escape, which, followed, which technically follows the Starkiller base scene, depending on who you ask, I think. So there's room for it, but then that then the the scene on the Walmart notebook. Yeah, man, like, I don't know that that would have to take place like uh, unless it, Han is in the hallway about to step up, like oh, we told you we could outrun those Imperial slugs, you know, like that. Maybe 
because they witness a massacre yeah. maybe i don't know yeah. like if they're still selling those notebooks by the time the movie comes out there is no way that it's because he died because if people put that together and are speculating about now you pull that kind of crap like like take it off the shelf it's a notebook i don't think they're related i haven't been in walmart yet but i kind of want to get one <laughs> <laughs> just really like stare at it real hard <laughs> the worst part is that if it really is that's the case it's gonna forever be known as the walmart scene <laughs> for us anyway or for, for all yeah. listeners of state of the empire <laughs> oh, god i was just bawling during the walmart scene in force <laughs> <laughs> another interesting thing i got out of the d23 as far as merchandising was it was during the disney interactive panel they uh, debuted the Infinity figures. You know, they showed off some of the. Ah, uh, yes. They have the they have the two sets coming out. They have the you know Rise of the Empire and the, or I don't know if it's called Rise of the Empire. I can't remember the the two lines. But basically, it's a prequel Clone Wars era and then the original trilogy. And then they made a special surprise announcement at the end that there will be Force Awakens uh, Infinity figures debuting with a Finn and a Ray. Um, figure and then the bigger surprise was that they brought out john boyega and daisy ridley to promote the figures i would like to point out that in the last episode we told you this was going to happen yes and um the, it was first john, john boyega is adorable he was freaking out because i i don't i he said it was the first time that he's seen an action figure of himself i don't know like I find it hard to believe that he hasn't come across one of, you know, his upcoming figures for, for Force Friday, but maybe. So they, they both signed their individual Infinity figures that were on the stage, and then they went into the crowd and gave out those signed figures. And if you haven't seen this yet, it's worth looking up. Daisy Ridley gave hers to a, a little girl that was dressed up as Princess Leia, and she had the buns. And then John Boyega gave him gave his figure to a little boy who was dressed as Darth Vader and then took a photo of Vader force choking him. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is just adorable. And, you know, I, I really think that they casted two very charismatic leads. And I think they're... I love that the push for these movies has been Boyega and Ridley and not Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. They had their moment at Comic-Con and everyone loved it. But the fact that everyone's already embraced the, the new three, which I'm surprised we haven't seen more of Oscar Isaac, is great, I think, for the series. So uh, that's the Infinity story. That's very cool and very cute. And, uh, and a good observation about the, uh, the, the, the actors. And in some ways, maybe they, you know, they, they picked them for a, a multitude of reasons. And I'm really curious to see how they develop as, you know, like looking at them as like the, the central characters for this new trilogy. Uh, it's so odd because you know they're they're performing without a net, like there's no there's no single creator whose vision this is, and it's also improvised, so it's hard to even say, you know, what we can expect from them. There's there's so much we we know we know so little, we know so little, and we're we're here in the mad dash. I mean, we've been talking about we've been talking about the stuff from just a week's worth of Star Wars information for the duration of a full episode. We usually spend this time covering months of content in a single episode. We've just been talking about the last like couple weeks of Star Wars news. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's only going to get more. Yeah, it is. It's going to get crazy. So uh, we will see you in a few just after Force Friday 
watch out for the latest State of the Empire with another very radical announcement. But I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. I was going to say, more radical than Willow Watch? Um, you know, I don't know that it's more radical than Willow Watch. It's pretty radical, though. Fair enough. Taking us out is a track we've never played by Melody Sheep, the brains behind the Symphony of Science remix series. This is from his 2013 collection, Remixes for the Soul 2, and this track is called Feel the Force. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, I'm Cap. Bye, I'm Doug. Bye, I'm Matt. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi Master. Jedi Master? Yoda. You seek Yoda. Yoda. Clear your mind of questions. You must unlearn what you have learned. The Jedi Spring flows from the Force.
Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network, and there's even more perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdyshow. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can subscribe to Nerdy Show via iTunes and SoundCloud. Leave a comment, like and share, and follow Nerdy Show on all your favorite social networks. For more podcasts, articles, community forums, and other awesomeness, visit nerdyshow.com. If it's geeky, we got it covered.